0: Who would have thought that to be a step parent, you would also have to be a fighter? Personally, this has become one of my favorite qualities as it affects every area of my life. However, this one was shaped in the trenches. I'm sure if somebody asked me if I was tenacious enough for the role, I would have looked at that person funny. But that's exactly what we need for this gig. We need to be tenacious. I guarantee the will to fight is something that all great step parents have. Welcome to Blended. I am your host, Jeremiah Wallace, and my goal is to see blended families thriving. If you are navigating this experience, then you're in the right place. This podcast is purposed to provide support, information and the encouragement that we need to fulfill our family's potential. what is happening, blenders. We are hopping right back into qualities of a step parent, pretty self-explanatory as far as what it evolves around, but we are addressing some essential aspects, traits, characteristics of an individual that is occupying the role of a step parent. And while these, these things preferably are present in life and they're being practiced Separate from being in this circumstance, it is essential for everyone's sake that these qualities are present and under further development while we are in this role, while we are in this marriage relationship and functioning as a step parent. And the one we are focusing on today, a quality that is important for step parents is the will to fight. Now, you can end up on either end of the spectrum or somewhere in between. I like to think that I've, I've achieved a bit of middle ground when it comes to being a fighter, but there's a tendency to either be on the agreeable end and conflict is not my preference. I do everything in my power to avoid it. It doesn't end up in my favor. Some of us, when we experience the angst that comes with it, we just, you know, There's a falling apart process and there are others that are on the extreme end and they wear earrings not for the sake of fashion and appearance, but they wear them simply so that the moment that arises where they can take them off as a declaration that they are ready to battle, they're for it. It just adds drama to being a person that is comfortable in the space of conflict. And for those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you already know I used to be more so on the agreeable end. Let's just let's all get along. Why not? I went to the extreme end of just picking fights and having issues every which way because life was full of conflict and drama. So I was like, all right, let's go all the way there. I have matured and I'm somewhere in the middle. I still can stray to the left, far left or far right from time to time. But I like to think that I've gotten some balance. I've gotten some cohesion in my life. And as we are addressing this quality of the will to fight, I want you to know that I'm not referencing a quickness to be combative, Or to engage a scenario that has some tension associated with it and therefore you're just ready to hop in. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm not necessarily speaking on a pure willingness to fight. The will to fight is more so a combination of the ability to fight well and the discernment to pick your spots. And for those of you that have any familiarity with combat sports such as boxing or mixed martial arts, the greatest fighters are known for those two things. One being the ability to fight well, as well as the discernment that they exercise in order to pick their spots. And I feel the need to calm down all the spicy people that are listening to this episode. I am not talking about you literally fighting. (laughs) I am just using the example of professional fighters because we can relate to them. What I mean by their ability to fight well is the fact that they study their opponents and they are not going to come into a battle with the same exact game plan that they exercised in the last fight. These individuals understand that they are facing unique opponents and they have skill sets that they must adapt to in order to be successful. Essentially, they come into these fights with an intention and And they exercise that intention. And yes, they are getting punched in the face. And that means they have to be adaptable, as do we oftentimes when we face some of the blended family scenarios, we feel like we're getting punched in the face and we have to be able to adapt. But their ability to come in with a plan that they're executing will increase their likelihood of having success in that bout. And again, there's also the discernment that they use to pick their spots after doing all of their studying and their preparing for months upon months for a bout when they find themselves exchanging kicks punches whatever with this individual they have to remain composed so that they can pick their spots and either submit or knock this dude out. Ultimately, these individuals step into this ring, into this battle with another individual and their intent is not to swing randomly and wildly and hope to land a punch. While training, they actually learn to defend themselves first and foremost and then during the fights, they pick their spots strategically so that their strikes are effective. And while I know that you are not navigating life's circumstances and conflicts from the perspective of a fighter necessarily, but I want you to pause and think for a moment. Are you fighting well? Meaning, have you learned from your previous conflicts? Have you learned from your previous mistakes? And therefore, you're watching the tape. You're coming into new situations, new challenges, trained up, having learned from previous bouts and challenges in your life. Did you fight well in your most recent relational, marital, or parental conflict? If so, great. Learn from it. If not, great. (laughs) Learn from it. So that you can carry it into your upcoming fight because you do, in fact, have an upcoming fight. Also, are you discerning? Well, are you picking your spots adequately, resulting in your relationships being strengthened, your family being more secure and your relationships, even with those that are not the healthiest? Even those that can be considered toxic, those are not sacrificed because you chose to fight from a place of intimidation opposed to fighting with authority, but from a place of humility. For a fighter, the inability to pick their spots to know when to defend themselves and then to go on the offensive is the difference between being knocked out and having longevity and great success over time. It's the difference between a clumsy fighter that might have some knockout power versus somebody who is respected and considered a professional. And when we are not able to discern and pick our spots, we are susceptible to harm as is our marriage relationship. And we are likely to hurt other people. And if I were able to identify a third aspect of the will to fight, it would be the ability that we have to get back up. There isn't a person listening to me right now that has not made a mistake or just outright gotten your butt kicked and overwhelmed by what you've had to face. Even having to deal with the ramifications of our own mistakes has been difficult at times. Nonetheless, the greatest display of our will to fight is often our ability to get back up and get right back in the ring. And as I was preparing content for this episode, it reminded me of Nehemiah and what he had to face. Eventually, he came to the king with his heart broken concerning the state of Jerusalem. Its walls were totally torn down. He went to the king and he asked, hey, can I go back to my people and can I build this wall? And eventually the king approved and he assembled some folks to start the process of building the wall. And it was miraculously reestablished in 52 days. But that was not without some resistance. There were people in the vicinity that were discouraging this effort that Nehemiah and his people were making. So while they were building the wall, they were constantly... Under threat, And they had to be ready to be attacked at any moment. I'm going to go ahead and read from Nehemiah 4, 17 through 18. It says, Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens, that's those who were transporting building materials, essentially, loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. So while these people were rebuilding this wall, they were constantly under threat to the point where they were both building and they had a weapon on their hip ready to defend themselves. And then there's that individual with the trumpet that was going to sound the alarm if they were all of a sudden under attack. And I felt this scenario could relate to those within the blended family and specifically a step parent because we are invested in building up this family. We are working on establishing culture in our homes. We are strengthening our marital relationships. We are growing more and more familiar with our stepchildren. But at the same time, there are so many things that come against us that we have to be ready to fight at the same time. And some of us, when we're unprepared for this dynamic, we oftentimes find ourselves tired. Imagine the people on those walls building, but at the same time, they were ready to fight. Not only is that emotionally taxing, but I assume that it's also physically taxing. Building with one hand a weapon in the other hand. We would like both of our hands to be invested in one or the other. I assume that would make us more effective. However, because of the situation that they were in, they had to be invested in both restoring And they maintained a readiness to defend themselves and what they were in the process of restoring. And as step parents, we are in the process of doing both of those things. We are restorers and we will find ourselves defending what we are restoring. That's why we can get worked up with all of the baby mama, baby daddy drama. We are invested in the safety of our unit and providing whatever protection that we can potentially provide for the sake of its well-being. But if we want to do this the right way, we have to do it well. So let's go ahead and transition into some of the battles that we face. So we're going to touch on the real battles that we are often having to deal with. And I'll also touch on some of the things that either take us out of the fight entirely or they can cause us to divert our attention from the actual battle and onto things that are not the real enemy. So the first real battle that we have is with ourselves. It's our feelings, the conclusions that we've drawn about our role, about our spouse, about our children and the lies that we often find ourselves entertaining. In other words, one of the biggest threats to your family is you. (laughs) As a step-parent, you can be one of the biggest threats to your family, and therefore you will often find yourselves having to battle against certain narratives that you have, beliefs that you have, your feelings that are so strong that it's hard to bypass them. There are two things that are constantly fighting against one another. And that's God's objective truth about a matter, according to his understanding. And then there's our filter that is not as effective, especially when we find ourselves in moments where we are compromised emotionally for some reason. Our convictions and interpretations of certain situations will have us draw Conclusions about a matter that will either serve us in our family or it will do the very opposite. So there is a real time battle that we are having with ourselves. And I experience this still to this day from time to time. But it was especially potent early on within my marriage and functioning as a step parent. The lies and the strength of my feelings, it was just coming at all angles constantly. So I had to learn to engage in a certain kind of battle with myself that evolved around my mind being renewed. I knew that I would not remain married, I could not function as a step parent. If I remained the same individual with the same mindset and if I were to suggest that everything has to conform to my understanding and my feelings, there's no way that it could have worked. So I started to battle against my beliefs that were inconsistent with what I knew the truth to be. I can honestly say that I was the biggest battle that I had to face and that might be the case for some of you. The second thing that we have to battle against is threats to the order of our homes. And there are things that systematically compromise the way in which things should operate within our homes. And this can happen for a litany of reasons, like when there are random pickups or failure to pick up the children despite schedules being made apparent and a custody uh, agreement being in place. There may also be random reschedules with the other parent, incessant phone calls, unannounced drop-bys, in-law conflicts, or other threats to the order of the family. And this is a pretty big deal because within the dynamic of the blended family, there are other areas that are just naturally compromised. So what we want to do is control the things that are within our control. And establishing order within our homes is just one of those things, because the last thing that we want to do is abuse or take advantage of a child's resilience or the flexibility of our significant other. Just because an individual can take some pretty hard punches to the face without falling over doesn't mean we should continue to hit them in their face. It's actually super beneficial not to be hit (laughs) in that area. And just because you can kind of handle or deal with some of the things that mess up your schedule or some of the inconsistencies that you have to experience and therefore creates a little bit of tension, conflict or frustration toward your spouse, just because you can handle that stuff doesn't mean you should entertain it. While we do want to remain flexible because things do happen, we should absolutely have a structure in place so that everyone can have an expectation. Everyone is familiar with what the plan is, what happens on this day at this time so that we can create an order that once upon a time may have looked more like chaos. And for those that may be early in your relationship, you likely don't have A lot of respect, whether by in-laws, whether by exes or whatever, but as you are assured in the direction that you want to move in, assured in creating order for your family as well as a child or children in question over time, your approach, your structure, your execution, it will be respected. People may remain in their feelings and not agree entirely with what you're doing or just remain in this place of immaturity, but your efforts will be recognized and respected. Because the evidence of a thriving marriage and healthy children that are well-loved and well taken care of speaks for itself. So do all the hard things for the sake of establishing that order. So if you need to go to court and get a custody arrangement going, go for it. I know a lot of people do not take this route because they are afraid of causing offense. We tend to think that, oh, we're adults. We are mature enough to kind of handle things this way or that way. That is typically not the case. Circumstances change. People get girlfriends or boyfriends. People get offended, reoffended, whatever the case. We don't want to leave room for the human experience to compromise the children and what we're doing as a family. So get a custody arrangement going so that the terms are clear. You also want to iron out details concerning the holidays, whether child support will be necessary, and then leave it at that. It's obviously in your best interest to approach matters from a place of a sound mind. And you want to have a pure heart opposed to like getting vengeance or trying to harm the other party. But you have to keep your eyes on the prize. You are establishing order and protection for your family. And this will likely benefit the other end as well, even if they don't see it or accept it. We cannot be afraid to ruffle feathers for the sake of establishing that structure that is so necessary for our family. This is simply a battle that we have to engage or else. And I can promise you, many families have fallen apart, many marriage relationships have been infiltrated by the past in one way or another, and then a ton of kids have been harmed. They've been totally compromised because of the lack of order within their homes, because parents didn't exercise their due diligence in protecting them in the way that they deserved for the sake of their development. So yes, this is absolutely a fight that we have to take up. And the third battle I believe we have to engage in frequently is the influence of culture. If any of you are paying attention as of late, uh, here in the U.S., specifically California, our culture is kind of garbage. It's it's perverted, ultimately, and our culture has no issue with addition. So what they want to do is invite our children, and even our adult family members, our spouse, into the debauchery. Every once in a while, I have to remind myself that we are the first generation ever to have iPhones, (laughs) to have these things at our disposal, to have a connection with the entirety of the world, essentially. This hasn't been the case for 99.9% of history. We may have adjusted to it and it's become normal because, again, we are adaptable human beings, but this is an abnormal experience. And everyone, especially children, are susceptible to believing certain things, viewing certain things, being driven and inspired by things that are not consistent with what is true or good for them. So for the sake of supporting and providing protection, we are in each other's business as a family. And it's not to the point where it's over-invasive and completely threatening people's independence, but we care. And inserting ourselves takes place in the form of constantly having conversation, even about the little crushes they have with boys at school. Me and my wife, my wife mostly, But having this conversation with our seven-year-old, our 10-year-old, our 14-year-old, obviously she's going to be a little bit more hesitant, which is annoying. That's another story for another time. But being present in their lives and having these open conversations make all the difference concerning the information that they're receiving and how they're processing it. We've also made it very clear to our 14-year-old that her phone is our property And we have the right to look through it whenever we please. And I know that that is a big source of conflict for a lot of parents feeling as if they have the right to be concerned with whatever it is their child is looking at or however they're engaging with their phone or whatever other electronics they have. A lot of parents consider it invasive and overstepping when it comes to checking out what it is that their children are checking out. But for us, we would prefer to err on the side of protection and being invested in their life as they are being shaped and exposed to so much stuff instead of naively trusting that they are going to make right decision after right decision. That's just not the case. We have to remember how dumb we were (laughs) when we were teenagers. I really don't even remember that time in my life. Guess why? Because I was dumb and I was doing silly stuff. But fortunately, I did not have access to the world and to the Internet. I didn't have my own cell phone at that time in life. So my stupidity was very concentrated (laughs) in my experience personally and in my immediate realm of influence. We cannot say the same for teenagers today, but we still err on the side of trust and respect. So it's pretty rare that we'll pick up her phone and go through it for any reason. But it is important for her to know that we have that right and for us to exercise that right because best believe in the past we have found things to her detriment. But fortunately, because we have maintained this right and communicated it clearly, we have caught things at an early stage and we've been able to address them before they snowballed into something that was extremely harmful for her. And the whole I have access to your phone thing, I know your password thing, that applies between me and my wife as well. Outside of deliberately and consistently looking at each other's phone for the sake of finding something detrimental or making sure they're on task or on their best behavior, it shouldn't be an issue for us to pick up one another's phone. And it isn't. We can also call each other out when we are on our phones excessively and for extended periods of time, especially if it's keeping us from engaging our family. And the phones and electronics, those are just a a very clear example of what can function at the detriment of each individual and therefore the family. But the way in which we combat Culture from impacting us on an individual and a collective level is intimacy, close relationship, caring enough to engage one another to the point where we know when something is off. And it's a wonderful thing when your children experience conviction for some reason and they feel safe enough to talk to you about it so that you can understand. What happened together assist them through it and they're better for it. That's something that transpires in a space where intimacy is taking place. And we've had both ends happen where a child, one of our kids felt comfortable enough to do so. And we have felt when they aren't comfortable enough, when they felt as if they would get the hammer as a result of confessing whatever it was that they did or didn't do. But there is a culture outside of our walls that is coming for our children. It's coming for our marriage. And none of us have to look far in order to recognize casualties, and many of which are in our own families as far as a divorce or separation or we've experienced it previously. This culture of ours has no concern for what's happening within our family specifically or what's happening with us on an individual level. It will swallow us up and it will proceed to swallow up the next person and the person after that. So as a parent and a spouse, you will from time to time find yourself combating the very culture that is trying to corrupt your understanding of what it means to be in a marriage relationship, to operate as a parent. And you're also supporting and combating the very things coming for your spouse and your children as well. So we will find ourselves in battle, in a fight with those three things the most frequently, that being ourselves, the lies, the narratives that we oftentimes have to combat. Then there is the threat to the order that we are establishing within our homes. Structure is necessary for the prosperity of our family. If we want to thrive, if we want to be healthy, if we want to do things the right way, that requires order. And then there is culture. And it's subtle or not so subtle attempts to intrude on what it is that we're doing as a family. And while culture tends to corrupt on an individual basis, if one of the members of our family are compromised, then our unit is compromised. So it's necessary for us to fight against this culture that is super jacked up. But before I end this episode, I wanted to touch on a few things that tend to cause us to step out of the fight or they redirect our attention. So we are battling against things that we should not. And there's weariness and that being growing tired. And that typically happens as a result of getting worn down. Like I talked about Nehemiah and the guys that were on the wall, they were both restoring And They had to stay ready to fight at any given moment. They were tired, but one of the ways that they were encouraged or they got their energy back up was through prayer. They would constantly be talking to God, specifically Nehemiah, as they were rebuilding the wall, and therefore they would be encouraged and revitalized so that they can continue the work that they were doing there's also marital disconnect it's essentially a complacency that transpires within the relationship and how this happens is no date nights Or we just get so familiar with our spouse that we are convinced that there's nothing more to learn. Like, I know this person, this is my person, and therefore I've arrived at this place of comfort. There's nothing more that I need to do. And there's this assumption that we will continue to have this strong connection or understanding. We'll remain on the same page in spite of not making extra efforts to connect. And I'll tell you firsthand, this is wrong. There needs to be intentional touch points as well as date nights, connections, opportunities to learn one another, grow together. This is a lifelong process. So if marital disconnect transpires, it's likely due to complacency. We need to recall who we were early on when we had maybe not necessarily the infatuation phase because that's not super healthy. But when we had. Had just a respect and a, a love for one another, and therefore, we were willing to go above and beyond. We were willing to serve opposed to looking to be served. And this is crucial because, in the midst of marital disconnect, everything else falls apart. We are not as effective as parents, we are not as effective as workers, we're not effective in every area of life. We can get the praise of other people, the recognition. All that. But if this very important covenantal relationship and this promise that we've made with this other human, if it's diluted and if we are not honoring our promise, then all those other things are going to suffer. And the third thing is we've lost sight of purpose. One thing that I constantly ask myself is it's a two word question. It's unto what? Unto what? Why am I invested in this thing? Why am I giving this thing my attention? Why am I making this certain effort? And if I can't answer that question, then I'm likely not to be as committed, nor am I going to be as effective. And I've found myself as a parent, as a husband, as a friend, as a servant in the church and all of the above having to ask myself unto what? Why am I doing this? What is the purpose? Because when we lose sight of purpose, we are just going through the motions. We'll arrive at a point where the demand feels greater than the supply. And this is the experience of pretty much all people, but many a step parents. You look at your stepchild in the face while you are experiencing a moment of defiance or just absolute rejection or whatever, just facing difficult circumstance. And then you're all of a sudden wondering, like, dude, is this worth it? What? Why am I even here? So it's important for us to conclude unto what, why am I doing this? What is the purpose so that when we experience those moments, we can hold on to the reason that we are in it to begin with. And if this is something that you have yet to do as a step parent, I suggest strongly that you do it. Write it down. Give yourself some time to determine what is my God given purpose for being in this position, a spouse to this individual, step parents to this child or these children. Why was I provided this very unique, awesome, but extremely challenging family dynamic? And I can promise you, just as it did for me, the answer to that question will anchor you through times that are very trying. And then when you arrive at those mountaintop moments where things are going great, you will be reminded that this is your purpose coming to fruition. You will be able to recognize and take advantage of the fruits of your efforts all the more. So watch out for those three things, whether it is weariness, marital discord and losing sight of your purpose. They are a threat against your will to fight. And I would love to hear which of those three tend to take you out of the fight most frequently. I'm going to leave a poll on Apple Podcasts, and I would love to hear a response from you guys. I hope this episode was of help to you. Know that where you're at, you don't have to stay. We can always get better. You guys are incredible, and we will talk soon. Peace thanks for tuning in i hope you heard something throughout the episode that could make all the difference please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that blended goodness episodes are up and running on the second and fourth wednesday of each month until then do not settle for anything less than what's possible